Todd Dills, and in this edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, we'll be talking shipper direct freight and managing customer relationships with all owner-operator, including himself, nine-truck BL Reaver transport owner, Monty Wiederhold. Wiederhold's based down in southwest Ohio, hauling out of a variety of manufacturers in the area, utilizing brokers on occasion. The OIDA board member, you may recall from recent coverage of the ELD, mandated his ongoing conversations with lawmakers in hopes of spurring congressional action on it, uh, one of many. And, uh, you know, Wiederhold is something of a curmudgeon, too, when it comes to the subject of ELDs and the true believers out there prophesying a significant rate positive effect after the mandate goes in, assuming it does at the end of the year. Search his name at overdriveonline.com or track back through our archived podcasts wherever you're getting Overdrive Radio to hear our prior discussion on the subject of rates and ELDs. We started the conversation here talking about what Wiederhold says he's been fortunate to maintain through recent years of spotty freight and demand in the wider economy. It's a solid core of direct customers that have driven the business. And how does he manage to keep from getting beat up on rates by parties coming in to undercut him? Well, take a listen. You know, we try to. I try to operate my company um, with as much co- uh, uh, shipper direct freight as possible, and I have a pretty good customer base. And we we try we do maintain. I mean, we have I have customers tell me say you guys are very reliable. And I have customers say I'll, you know I'll hold this load until you get a truck in there, maybe two or three days, you know. But I'll wait because I know if I give it to X over here, they may try to broker it out and. Right. They don't know when they're going to get it. So, um, but and 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 you know, granted, there's times where on the spot market, you know, you could go off of the like truckstop.com or something and book freight. It's going to maybe pay better. But for the steady Eddie, you know, and my guys, I have work to do for them, and it's you know they know what the stuff pays, and and yep. we don't we been pretty fortunate that during some of the downturns, you know, because it's kind of been an ebb and flow here the last few years. Uh, where you'd yep. be busy, so I'll get out one month, and the next month, eh, you know, I mean, you're kind of struggling a little bit. But uh, I haven't had any customers come and try to beat me up. You know, hey, you know, I can right. get it done for this with this guy. Um, so, and what's the key? That, what, know, what do you feel like the key is there uh, to to preventing that from happening? Because I mean, that is the that is the old story when you're talking about direct customers um, with a lot of you know mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that have a smaller operation than you, like uh, maybe they're one or two trucks. Sometimes, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, being, if you're um, a one or two truck operation, that's that's probably a little bit tougher deal, uh, yeah. if you want to say row to hoe, than, than what, you know, we've got, uh, I got six flats and two vans right now. And that's that's plenty. Uh, but it's, it's, with the customer base that you have, you can pretty well service it and keep everybody fairly happy. Um, and a lot of the customers that we have, you know, or some of them are, are some of the uh, maybe couple steel mills that we haul out of and stuff. We don't have to give them trucks every day, but, you know, we have rates and certain yeah. points, and we but we try to service them on a somewhat regular basis. Um, yeah. You know, so, but but the, the key is, is to giving good service and doing what you tell your, you know, your customer, you know, you're going to do. Or if you have a problem, I mean, you know, trucks are, or mechanical and they break down, you know, maybe, or you have a traffic delay or something because so much stuff you get anymore, it's, 
you know, they want to get it in there and get it on the floor and run it, you know, run the material that's like just in time, if you want to say. We don't do any automotive stuff, but there's there's still stuff that it's it's time sensitive and, and people, yep. as transportation has gotten more reliable, people tend to hold less inventory on the floor because they don't have the money wrapped up in the inventory. They've got it, you know, when they get it in, they process it and they sell it and then they got, you know, they turned it over pretty quick. Um, right. And uh, so, but you have to, you have to, pretty much live up to what you promise or tell people you're going to try to do. Um, and, sure. you know, so so that and communication, when you do have a problem, you know, there's nothing worse than having a customer call and say, hey, you know, where's your truck at? Why isn't he here picking this load up? Or why isn't it delivered? And so we, you know, our, and our guys were pretty good about it. You know, hey, if they had a, a problem overnight or something, they'll maybe call and leave a, a message on recorder or, you know, shoot a text message or something. Hey, I was broke traffic accident road was shut down for right. six hours and any more you know Todd any more almost any type of even sometimes what you would think is a minor accident the roads closed for two or three four hours you know um, and, and some of that is to where the people that are handling the accident those safety personnel first responders because you've seen how people they don't pay attention and and there's been times where guys have been hit so they I think a lot of times they have to do that to guarantee the safety of the people that's trying to work the accident. As frustrating as it is, sometimes. You know, when when those exceptions do happen, in your in, in your operation there, um, are the are your guys um, communicating directly with uh, the folks they're delivering to, or or is this uh, messages coming to you and you're doing, or is it probably a mix of both? I guess. Well, it's it's a mix of both, but usually usually they go through us, and then we'll contact the customer okay. or something or. Or let them know. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of the stuff that we haul out. Uh, you know, they maybe have a, a phone number on there. It, the bills sometimes right. don't always have a phone number or something. That but right. we'll have it on a release that we have in the office for the that, like if we have to call, and make an appointment or something. But but I always tell yeah. the guys, hey, you know, if, if you run it behind, you know, people usually in my in my years of doing it, I've, they've always appreciated knowing, you know, if you were going to be delayed or something, and you know, call and say, hey, I, you know, we had whatever the problem was and let them know and right. that way when you know maybe if they had somebody else it was early they can go ahead and get that guy in, a, in there and get him unloaded and then when you you arrive you know you're taking his spot so I was wondering um, tell me uh, tell me a little bit about about um, yourself Monty and uh, how, how trucking started for you you said it was in the late 70s and, and where this I was interested to hear the, the origin story of the fleet uh, that, you, that you're operating here and I was curious about the uh, the name of it too. Well, you know, I, I started out, and uh, my dad um, had driven over the road for probably when he got out of the army back in the like I think from like fifty eight, fifty nine, sixty something like that. And he worked for a guy, and it, it was it was funny because some of the stories he talks about. Um, he drove this old nineteen forty five GMC with a three hundred eight international gas engine in it with a like. I don't know, four-speed and two-speed axle. I mean, we're talking about a real, a real <laughs> powerhouse here in this truck. I think it took him 18 hours to go from Cincinnati to Buffalo, New York. You know, we can do that today <laughs> in like eight hours. It's almost unimaginable. But um, and right. and the old truck was, you know, was was bad to where it was. Uh, it had a generator on it, and in the winter time either had to make a decision between staying warm or having the headlights on because the generator wouldn't pull the heater fan and run the headlights. That's the same. <laughs> so uh, 
but I mean that and so my dad you know he he had been trucking uh you know I, I was born a few years before that and but he had got out of the army and and then he went to trucking a little bit well then he decided he, he got a job staying home driving ready mix truck but I was ate up with trucks you know from the right. get-go um had all the little Tonka trucks and stuff anyway I got old enough got my back in Ohio back in Ohio and, and when, when I turned 18 you just you went and took a test and you had your chauffeur's license which um, yep. I wanted to work for a construction company where my dad was at. So in order to drive their pickup truck, you had to have a chauffeur that was part of the requirements to be, drive someone else's, you know, commercial vehicle, if you want to say. And it was just a pickup truck with a fuel tank and, you know, the oil and stuff to service the dozers or equipment and stuff. But uh, kind of got started with that. And then my dad was all, had always liked, wanted to go back, have a truck, and, and he and I run together. And so... Um, okay. And in this time of, of in this time of working at this construction company, my dad, when he would go out and move an equipment piece of equipment from one job site to the other, he'd let me drive when it was empty, you know. And he was kind of teaching me as it went along about certain things and stuff. And uh, so, but my dad was a great teacher, and he cared about me because he didn't he loved me because he didn't want me to see me get hurt or hurt anybody else. Um, so that was I that that was a benefit to me. Even though he was he was tough. I mean, when I would screw up on something, he would just say, "Hey, you know, pull it over here to the side. You know, get over here to the seat and watch for a while." And I'm like, well, "What did I do wrong? We'll just just get over here to the seat and watch, and you'll learn what you done wrong." Um, so it was kind of like teaching the, by example. But, yeah, yeah, and a little yeah. bit of boot camp, you know, boot in the butt type deal, you know. So. Um, but that's how we, I learned. And, uh, you know, when, uh, I think I was like, I don't know, 22 or something kind of in between jobs, he was like, Hey, let's go buy a truck and go trucking. And then a cousin of mine had, um, was leased onto a company. We went over there and worked for them, ran up Cincinnati, Chicago and around the Midwest and that just had the one truck. And then we bought another truck. And, uh, so we run leased on to different carriers till, uh, 1993. And I was at least on to this DL Reaver Transport, and it was a little small company out of Toledo. And the guy was always teasing me about, you know, hey, you you know, get some money, buy me out. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd like to own my own company, you know. And uh, yeah. so I think I sold some property or something, got money for down payment, and then he financed the rest of it for like a couple, three years. But paid him off, and that's the name, the name DL Reaver. That was the guy's, uh, his first name was Barry, and uh, his middle okay. initial L, and then Reaver. And so I never, you know, I talked thought about changing the name of it, but, you know, we had the customers all recognized, and I'm like, hey, you know, it's, it's why change something that's working, you know, just for some self-gratification or whatever. So we left right. it that way, and, you know, it stayed the same. My office is actually in the Toledo area, and even though I, I live in southwest Ohio. Um, and okay. You know, the girl that manages the office for me and, and does some dispatching and stuff, and then I, you know, kind of help her out. And I'm, I drive some, and then, you know, I've got the – I'm on the board at OIDA, so I've got board meetings a couple times a year. Sure. But, you know, so much of the stuff anymore uh, you can do – I mean, it's tra changed drastically in, in 24 years. I mean, back in early 90s, the Internet was – I mean, it was there, but – wasn't a yeah. whole lot of stuff being done trucking wise, whereas now, you know, almost every, I mean, I can, I can remember when 
you know, guys would get empty, not have a load. Well, hey, go to the truck stop and check out the DAT, you know, the big TV screen, sure. you know, and see what loads are out there, you know. Whereas now, right. you know, you just fire up the laptop and, you know, it's everything's right there at your fingertips kind of. And uh, But that's, we got started. And, and back then we hauled mostly out of the port of Toledo. We hauled like zinc and aluminum. There were stainless coils that come in there and we did bands okay. and flatbeds. And, but, you know, fast forward to where the, a lot of the stuff out of the port up there, anything almost that could be loaded on a van, the races kept going down and down and down. Anything that was, you know, forklift rear, you know, you, you had the rates were just pitiful. And yeah. so um, I'm like, you know, this is kind of nuts here. So we kind of kind of tried to pivot a little bit away from that, you know, and build up some customer base. And to where now we don't do anything out of the port of Toledo. It's, we haul out of, you know, you know, we haul out of uh, a mill up in Butler, Indiana, Jeffersonville, Indiana. We haul out of uh, uh, Middletown, Ohio, okay. and uh, we've got a various manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. So we we've, we've kind of branched out into where you know when we go to truck someplace, we've usually you know got access to customer freight from there, and maybe go over to someplace else or out. We do try to do out and back. Some of the guys like to try to run, you know. Because most of the guys will live down in southwest Ohio. I got one guy lives in Kentucky, another fellow lives in uh, central Ohio, a couple other ones up above Dayton. So we're, you know, kind of basically most of the southwest Ohio type stuff. So, is it owner operators uh, leased on with you there, or, or do you guys own some of the trucks too? And I, I'm, my truck is the only truck that I actually own. I do have okay. uh, one of the other one of the other guys has got his. He pulls a company trailer uh, for me. Okay. But it, yeah, everybody's owner operators. Most of them have their own trailers, equipment, and stuff. And uh, what? Uh, tell me, tell me about your truck. It's a 17-year-old Western Star okay. with a cat cat engine in it. That uh, it's a, a 2000 Western Star with a E model cat 550 that I I just overhauled it man, about a year ago. I had a million three hundred and some thousand on it, and it was I noticed a ticking in the uh, actually a little puffing coming back through the intake breather on the driver's side and I thought mm, that doesn't sound just exactly right and what happened was one of the keepers for the valve well, had kind of come loose and it wasn't closing altogether when it was doing the compression okay. stroke so it was actually compressing back or the power stroke back out through the intake uh, I was out in York Pennsylvania with it and I thought you know the old truck's got a million three on it so I called the cat shop in Cincinnati and I said, hey, I said, what's, you know, what's the worst case scenario? He said, well, you know, if it, it blows, you'd have to be towed in. I'm some, it's got to be overhauled anyway. So I just drove yeah. it easy back home and uh, had them overhaul it down there. So right. the uh, Ohio Cat, they do a really good job down in Cincinnati. I've got along with those guys for, I've been doing business down there for over 20 years. And that's another thing, too, that's key to, you know, you know being able to be successful, I think, you know, is you've got to have a decent shop. And, I mean, you know, when you go into a shop anymore, it's it's expensive. I mean, those lengthy labor rates, 100 bucks an hour somewhere in that neighborhood. So, but, um, you know, get around, have, make, those, make those relationships with the people that you, that you need to they do that work. Yeah, you got to make those relationships. And I've got, I've got, there's a lady that I deal with in Hillsborough, Ohio, for tires, uh, this, um, uh, gentleman up in Toledo up there that uh, a couple places I deal with tires with um, and I've you know I got credit established and then if, if my guys maybe you know uh, 
have something happen and they don't quite have a, you know, the, 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 I think like one of my guys had to have the turbos replaced. He had one of those twin turbo cats and it was like six grand. And, uh, you know, Rich has been off a little bit and quite got back, but said, hey, go down there and get it done and, you know, we'll figure out the payments or whatever or something and, you know, you get back to work and I, I work with the guys and, you know, to, uh, help them out of whenever they need it that most of the time the guys are they're fully able to take care of the repairs on their own but every now and then you know something major will come up and something then um, mm-hmm. it, I'm I'm fortunate to be able to to help guys out with stuff like that so that's it for this podcast and I want to thank you for listening wherever you listen you can subscribe to the overdrive radio podcast on iTunes Listen via TuneIn.com anytime, or feed it through various Android podcasting apps as well. Alternately, check back weekly at OverdriveOnline.com, click Podcasts in the header at the top of the page. Until next time, stay safe out there.